missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, Di Tecco, tiro, Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It is the Footy Fans Podcast. Andrew, Santo, and Joe returning after a one-week hiatus. Yep. We had our own commitments. We had a soccer tournament, actually, that took place in London. Uh, the big Polish uh, convention, if you want to call it. All the Polish teams in Ontario basically get together and have a big party and host the host the tournament in London. So we were part of that last weekend. So we were not able to get together for the podcast. We missed a bunch. A lot yep. of things happened. The Queen passed away. <laughs> yep, yep. That's that's one big one that happened. Obviously had big implications to the Premier League as well as other, you know, European sporting events that were going on this past week or past ten days, whatever it has been now. Um so we'll touch on that in a little bit. But off the bat, boys, after one week of being gone, how are we doing? Good. Yep. Yeah. Pretty good. Happy to get some EPL back uh in the swing of things. Um feeling uh pretty good after the, the Polish tournament. Well, um, you guys are. You guys didn't drink. Yeah, didn't drink <laughs> we or left, play. We left after. Well, yeah, Joe didn't drink or uh, play. I had to Andrew coach. That's what happened. Yep. So, one and one record on Saturday. One and one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Happy to say I scored first goal of the season after a disastrous season for me. <laughs> first uh, and last. Also <laughs> missed my first PK of the season, which uh, also usually happens in one season with Polonia. Uh, so that was good. It was a fun time. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it was a good time. I got my first goal in the last game, and I missed a PK. It was good. It was uh, good. Yeah. Well, it's always enough, especially there. I mean, well, I've missed. I've only been there one other time. Missed PK there. Um, all my big PK misses have been for Polonia, except for the one I missed when I was a kid. That kind of there's always that PK that like sets you up as a kid. Um, and there was the one I missed in the semifinal. Um. It with, sets you up for the right for the right or wrong reasons. Like, yeah, there's always the one. Yeah, um, for me it was the Bell River one. I don't know. Were you there? We were on the team. I might have been there. Um, it was Gray Juniors. It was at Bell River. At Bell River. Good, then yeah, I was there. We were losing, I think one nothing or two nothing, and I before this I was like consistently easily scoring every single PK like I never missed. You peaked in high school. I peaked in high school. <laughs> the net, I swear, was smaller. I'm like, it's not regulation. And I put it in my <laughs> usual spot, and it went on the just outside of the post. And since then, I have not taken PKs. That's almost like 15 years ago. More than that. It was probably like six, 17 years ago. Well, no, probably been, 15. Yeah. yeah been, I was close with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, your brother's not shooting any better now. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, missing a PK in the championship game that makes your team lose, that's... Uh, that's problematic. That's um, tough then, to come back from. Yeah, and then missing another PK in a in a final game at the Polish tournament. 
In front of tens of people. Yeah, tens tens of people. <laughs> at, it's definitely at least thirty people. The 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 Serbs one was worse in the championship game. Like there was everyone. Yeah, that, that, was, that was, was there was probably a hundred and like twenty five people. I was playing there. keeper that match. Eh? Yeah, yeah. I was had a goal, we had a we had a goal line clearance. Yeah, we did. Yeah. <laughs> Someone squeaked the ball right past Andrew, and I was like on. It was like on the line. It was like pretty close, like a foot away from the line. I like, booted out. It's like, oh yeah, we got, made it to PKs. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. That was a fun game, though. Yeah. No, that was, that, that was Nolan Bernard that shot that, I think, for for Serbs. No one was on Serbs. He shot that. Yeah. It went through my hands because I'm short. Yeah. I jumped and it, went, it slipped through my fingers. I'm wearing Jesse's like, old gloves. I have no grip on them. <laughs> right through my hands, and Joe backs me up on the on the goal line, clears it away. Dungy was in that game. Yeah. Doby. Oh, my God. What a callback. Yeah, and we lost. So yeah, we lost. Not, not because good. Of, because of this guy. Because of Santiago. Um... But yeah, like I said from from the beginning of the sh- of the show here, the Queen passing, I mean historic, obviously probably one of the bigger events to happen in our lifetime. Um, big implications, like I touched on with the Premier League and any other competitions going on around this time. Uh, matches being postponed, so matches actually being played on the day of, I believe, which was kind of nice. It was like touching. I think I think there's a couple Friday games that might have been played, or there's a couple Europa games that were played. That you know they did a moment of silence for the queen and mm-hmm. they ended up playing the match still. But then that weekend, um, was it the weekend of the? What was it? Of course, it's not coming up. Match what? week seven. It was last weekend, so the thirteenth. Yeah. Or um, it's not the thirteenth. The uh, yeah, yeah, would have been eleventh. Yeah, the the ninth, tenth, and eleventh weekend. Yeah, so that was obviously postponed. Uh, they'll get replayed some other time. And Saldo made a good point. Actually, he said that. In an already condensed, was it you, Joe, or Santo? Santo. In an already condensed year because of the World Cup happening during the run of play, there's another postponement that's happened where, you know, some teams are going to go a month without playing soccer. Yeah. I've never never seen this before. For <laughs> COVID. It, well, yeah, for sure. Like <laughs> but, in COVID, but I've never seen a condensed season and then just games getting rescheduled and then teams just how it works out. They just don't play for a month mm-hmm. and they're getting a month where they're not playing already. Like obviously with COVID it like happened with all the teams, but there's, right. uh, there's just like, you know, few teams here that, you know, the last game in all competitions was September uh, the third. Yeah. September the third. They're not playing till first of August. You know, man, you luckily had a Europa league game. Um, otherwise they would have been in the same boat. Um, or a few Europa League games, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just ironic how with a month being taken off, this postponement, um, whoever the Premier League scheduling guy yeah, is, I remember right. reading a blog post <laughs> on how the difficulty is to like organize the schedule and everything that goes on. Uh, he's got a job in his hands. Yeah, this year you got to squeeze in like three more games <laughs> into a content or three more uh, like sets of fixtures. Mm-hmm. That's going to be tough to do, man. It's going to be a lot of midweek games, obviously, but it's going to suck for the top teams. Like, it just so happens, of course, it's all like the London-based teams. So, like, Chelsea, you know, they're not going to be able to play. Um, Tottenham, they obviously had their game in uh, this past week because they're playing away, I believe. I don't know. They were home, right? This game here? Against Leicester? They were home against Leicester. Yep. Um, But uh, Crystal Palace, Chelsea, um, Arsenal game got postponed. So, like, it's it was kind of a shit show. Yeah. But... At uh, at this moment in time, there's 14 Premier League games that need to be rescheduled. That's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be tough. 
It's not up to us, but it's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah. So there will be a lot of midweek games coming our way uh, in the next few months, probably. Hopefully get them in before the World Cup starts. Uh, November the 13th, I believe, it kicks off. Um, for everyone who doesn't know, it's an international break this weekend as well. So a time when it would have been nice to slip some games in <laughs> because there's no games being played. They can't do it. It's international break. Yep. Uh, it's the last set of international fixtures to be taken before the actual World Cup kicks off in November in Qatar. So, you know, it's your your last tune-ups, basically, before your quote-unquote training camp begins Mm -hmm. once once players go on leave for for the World Cup. So, I mean, I'm not too, you know, invested in it. Obviously, Italy not qualifying kind of stinks um, for our standpoint. But, you know, we have the Canadian side who will have um, some international fixtures coming up, I believe. I think the CONCACAF teams are going to be playing around this weekend, too. Mm -hmm. So, maybe we tune into that. But... You know, as far as this like international friendlies go, I don't I don't really pay too much attention to it. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. No, I like, I'll gear up for the time when it's the time. You know, friendlies. Yeah. If it's a if it's an actual qualifying match, then yes. But for international friendlies, I could care less. It, Canada could lose five nothing to. I don't know. They're, I think they're playing Uruguay and Qatar. Okay. Yeah. No. But they they could drop both matches five nothing. I could. Get, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like it's not going to transpire. You know, the same way. Uh, once the World Cup kicks off, you know, I don't think they'll play their. I don't know if they'll play their best players. Like I don't know if Davis is going to play or not. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. Because yeah, I mean, a friendly is a friendly, especially with the World Cup so close. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of those things. I I've never really cared about international friendlies. Uh, but they get played like they do year after year. Yep. But not really a reflection of what's actually going to happen. No, it's like preseason football. I remember the Lions went four and zero in the NFL in the preseason football game, like. Six seven years ago, and that was the year they went zero and sixteen. Yeah, so like they're the preseason champ champs, and they didn't win a game all season. So like, doesn't mean shit when it comes yeah. down to to the nitty gritty of the games. Um, but like I said, like I said before, we have we had a week off basically, or almost two weeks off as our last podcast. So a lot of things happened. A lot happened. Yeah. Thomas Tuchel's not at Chelsea anymore. <laughs> like I, we could make a pod just on this. I mean, I have. I don't know what to say, and I have so much to say. Like it's, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll start because I know I want to hear your and being a Chelsea fan. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I don't have much of an opinion. I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say, to be honest. You do yours. Like, I mean, I'm taking a, a few things uh, here from you know things I've seen online and what people have said, but from my perspective. I don't know what else Chelsea is going to look for. If Chelsea didn't have Tuchel and they were looking for a coach and Tuchel was available, I can confidently say they would probably go and hire him right now. You know, you had a bad string of games. You're not doing, like, terrible. You're doing worse than you would expect to. But I remember the year Chelsea was, like, hovering in, like, 11th, 12th, or 13th, that disastrous year they had. Mm -hmm. After, Um, After they won. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I again, it's with Chelsea. I thought maybe there would be a change with um, new ownership coming in, but obviously, you know, with American owners and just the board that's at Chelsea, there has to be people there that are just obsessed with bringing in and firing managers super quick. Um, I thought Tuchel was going to be the guy for Chelsea, kind of like Klopp and um, um, Pep Guardiola. But they, he just has a bad run of games, and then they just let him go. I mean, 
um, I don't want to touch this too much because this is mainly Joe's point, but like they built a team around Tuchel's system and then they let him go. I know Joe's done like some research <laughs> on that, so I'll let him touch on that, but I, I really don't like it. I mean, he's a great manager to have in the EPL. Um, he, I don't think he's going to have any trouble finding a new job at a top club, but this literally makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, you know, there is a thing, you know, we're on the outside. We don't know the ins and outs that's happening at Chelsea uh, at the board. But I didn't see any pushback from the fans. I'm assuming the fans still loved him. He was like a great guy to have there. Yeah. And I just don't understand yeah. how, like, this is such a big loss of a manager for them. It's like, like no disrespect to Graham Potter. He's, in my opinion, he's not as good as a manager as Tuchel. I know he has a history where um, he's he has the experience in the EPL. Um, he can take teams and improve them, you know, like he's done in the past. He does have the issue. Um, I was watching and doing some research on kind of his statistics there. He has an issue with creating like quality chances and finishing the ball, which is what Chelsea is struggling with. 100%. So why, why do you downgrade a manager when you have a top manager? All because you've had a bad string of games. Like it's again, you have to give your manager's time. All because he's been there a while. I don't get this thing where it's like, um, you're you have to be the best. You can't afford to do any any period of bad a bad string of games. Otherwise, you're out. Which makes no sense because you're never gonna have a good manager long term that solidifies the club. But even under Abramovich, that was the same mentality. Yeah. Even even with like with Todd Bowley coming in, it's not changing the culture of Chelsea from a management or ownership standpoint. It's still like, oh, okay, look, run a bad run of form, change the manager, change the coach. And Todd Bowley coming from North America, we've seen it many, many times before in other North American sports, like hockey especially. If you get a bad run of games in hockey, you're gone. Like I've seen managers before fired or coaches fired in hockey in the first like six, seven games of the season, like similar to this. Yeah. Just because like you can pull that trigger and there is a huge list of people that are lined up to take the seat too. And it's kind of the same mentality that Chelsea's having right now and with the Brahmins before. If you get a bad run of form or don't perform to the expectations that you think you like, you should be performing to, the best thing to do is to fire the manager. Not Sorry, yeah. not the best thing. The easiest cop-out. Yeah. Right? No, yeah. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't support like, it either. I don't, yeah. I'm not saying I support it, but I'm saying it's just it is what it is, right? Yeah. Well, it's because like Santo said, like they... A, you come off last season where he won, like he's won trophies, obviously. Um, but you spend what two hundred so or so million to get him, plus. get him all these players that he feels he needs, but you also fail to get him a striker, and you have a rough start to the season, which isn't like it's worse than expected. You're still in seventh with the game in hand. You've won your three, one, and two, which isn't like the worst. I mean, the Champions League game didn't help, obviously. Well, yeah, but then right, yeah. you finally get a number nine in Aubameyang, which who has a good relationship with Tuchel. <laughs> so you finally got him as number nine to like complete like what he feels he needs, and then you fire him like the next day after one game. That's that he gets kind of hilarious. It's <laughs> it sucks, but it's funny. It's very it's so strange. It's like if you what I because I've heard uh, some pundits say this. I guess they came out and said it's like oh this was like planned. Like we we're thinking about it for a while, and it's like 
probably not because you spent all this money on players that he said he needed and all this right. stuff. So if you knew you were going to make this change, why did you go and spend like all this money? Um, if you like, or if you knew you were going to make this change, why not make it in the summer so you can bring in someone, give them like a little bit of preseason to get ready, like, like Ten Hag with Man U. Yeah. So very strange, honestly. What it comes down to, which is probably more true, is like Tuchel's just like very difficult to work with, and Todd Bowley was probably just like, I've had enough of this guy. After a month, probably. I don't know. <laughs> Tough. Tough. I don't know. Um. Okay. Chelsea had a difficult season last year, I think, too. Um, like they waited to the second last game in the year, basically to qualify for Champions League. And I think again, from Chelsea's standards and what ownership wants and what the fans expect, Chelsea should be a contender every single year. Mm-hmm. I have a level head. I understand it's not. That's very hard to do. Like there's oh. a reason why only two teams have won the EPL in the last three, three or four seasons. Mm-hmm. On the same two teams, I should say. Um, it, it's a very competitive league, obviously, but you do see it more times than not. There is a one or two teams that just carry away, and like that's you see them go off in the distance, and that's just what it is. I think people around Chelsea, the club, they think that they're supposed to be in that group as well. And yeah. So when they're not there, it, they they get pissed, right? They get heartbroken. And Chelsea qualifying at the very last minute, the last year into Champions League, they might take it as a small success, but I think also in their eyes, that's kind of a disappointment that that's like how they did it. And you could see Tuchel was having a tough time with the team. They, they had a terrible run of form last year for a couple of games. Like there was a week yeah. or a couple of weeks or like a month maybe where they were like, you know, one, one win, four losses and like two ties or something that you can't cut that. Like yeah. if there's, if there's ever time to do it, you should have fired him last year during that run of form. If you saw the wheels coming off the tracks that late, yeah. or sorry, that early, then maybe take care of it then, and like Joe said, you get the rest of the summer to you know make your own team. The fact that it happened this early, and like Joe just touched on, with not even a terrible run of form, like if you if you give them, let's just say the win, um, so that they all have seven matches played, Chelsea gets another win here. Let's just call it that. They're only five points off of first with only seven matches played the season so far. That's yeah. not a terrible spot to be in. You'd be in a Champions League spot. You'll be in Europa League spot. You're there. You're you're there with the big boys with City with Arsenal. Uh, Tottenham's had a great Tottenham's had a great season so far. We'll touch on them in a little bit, but mm-hmm. you you'll be right there in, in the hunt. And for them to do it in this fashion after the game, I remember them saying that. Oh, it wasn't because of the result against Zagreb. It was definitely against because of the result against Zagreb. <laughs> 100%. Like that game happened, and Tuchel's press conference after the game, he was asked why they played so poorly, what happened, and his response was, "I have no reason. I have no answer for you guys." Which probably wasn't the greatest thing to say. Yeah, but he was just basically like, "I don't know why we played so bad." He's like, this isn't the team that I know we are, which kind of was another way to cover up, but or a better way to cover up. Yeah. But his initial re- response was like, I don't know why. I don't know. What, I don't know. Like, he's yeah. just confused. Yeah. Because they did play so poorly in, in Croatia in that, in that match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got sacked the next morning. I yeah. mean, I think there is a case, too, that he probably lost the dressing room. I would think so, too. But, I mean, we've seen it before. Like, I don't know with these Chelsea players, man, because we've seen it with, with Conte, with Mourinho. Yeah. Um, I mean... Rafa Benitez was there for a little bit, and he's got a big personality too, Benitez. And it, there's been so much turnover at Chelsea too. Like I don't know what the underlying factor is, but big personalities don't work well in Chelsea. Yeah. And maybe someone like Graham Potter, who seems more level-headed, who seems more calm, 
who has a psychology uh, psych- psychology degree, I believe, from a university in England. Yeah, maybe he is the right guy to fit in there. He's had like Santo touched on a lot of experience already in the EPL with Brighton. Obviously, he was in Sweden for 13 years, I believe, um, as a manager there. And even after his playing days, he went to school. He got educated. He's you know spent time with players and development and. Um, from what we've been hearing and reading, because obviously before this, we don't really know much about Grand Potter until the last two weeks. But in his previous seasons and years, he's been a really good player coach. Yeah. He's been able to like find what, what works for certain players, what makes them tick, and gets the best out of them. And we've seen that with Brighton. I mean, they're fourth place right now for a reason. They don't have the best players in the league. Uh, their best player, Mope, just left this season to go to Everton. Their top goal scorer. So clearly, the way that they're playing now, um, only conceding five goals, you know, having a four-one and one record, it's not by mistake. They're a good team, and the, it kind of sucks for Brighton that they're going to lose him. Obviously, like we're in the middle of this or beginning of the season. Yeah, I do think it was a twenty million pound buyout though, or something, for him to go. Oh yeah. Or like I don't know if that was the actual number that was like already predetermined, like in previous seasons or years, if like for a manager buyout. But I believe like the. The actual number was like twenty million, like once it all came down to it. So it's almost like they got twenty million dollars, like for their coach. Yeah, which is a pretty good haul for a side like Brighton. But for him to join Chelsea, he only had one game so far under his belt. It was a one-one draw um, in Champions League against uh, Red Bull uh, Red Bull Salzburg. So, or like, was it like was it Leipzig or Salzburg? Hold on a sec, actually. Red RB RB Leipzig. RV Leipzig. Why did I say Salt? It is Salzburg. Yeah, RV Salzburg. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I, I watched that match, and honestly, he didn't have much time to gear up the, the guys but like for that game, but it didn't look much different. Yeah. And like Joe said, like you get a guy in there who... Sorry, Zosada said that. You get a guy in there to try and change the, the chemistry of the team and the dynamic of the team with a team that can't finish or create chances with a manager who can't create chances. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it basically was the exact same match under Tuchel that I saw at that game against uh, against Salzburg. But, I mean, he's going to have more time, obviously, under his belt with the guys now. Like, the postponement because of the Queen's passing is going to give him another, you know, a training session or, or two or three to, you know, figure out exactly what he wants to do. He has his whole team with him, I think, that he brought from Brighton as well, his coaching staff. So he obviously knows the guys. The team can get can get acclimated to what he wants to uh, to do going forward. And it is a big change of pace at Chelsea because, like I said before, the only like look at the past managers at Chelsea, all huge names. Yeah, right? like Mauricio Sarri, Mourinho, obviously Conte, Ancelotti's been there. Benitez, like you can go on and on. And now they have like Graham Potter, yeah, Lampard. Jesus Christ, Lampard is there. Like you have huge names that have been involved with this club, and you know Antonio Conte got a got a Premier League title out of them. Mourinho got three titles out of them. But other than that, like the success has not really been there long-standing, and maybe you just get somebody in there who, again, is completely different than what you normally have, just to shake things up. And obviously, hopefully, 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 we give him time. Mm-hmm. This is Todd Bowley's like first big signing, I want to call it. Yeah. Um. Even you know, excluding players, because like you know, the manager is heavily involved with with the players um, being being chosen and transferred for. So this is Todd Bowley's decision. This yeah. is going to live and die with him. Right, and that's going to really change the dynamic of Chelsea supporters, I think, going forward too. In in their well, an hour, um, 
you know, belief with management because again, if you just fired your coach after six games and then you bring in a guy who's unproven, that's on the that's on the ownership. Yeah, for sure. Like hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the whole situation where it's like they just didn't see eye to eye. Um I don't know. Like who knows what goes on behind closed doors, but again, uh, I I can't see how there's like this huge benefit of letting Tuchel go. But, you know, like you said, it's going to live and die with Todd Bowley. So we're going to have to see how this Graham Potter play just um, works for Chelsea. Like there wasn't many like Tuchel out chance or no, that's what demands I mean. no one or was wants or anything. Calling for a side, which is why I just think it's like it, it was an issue with him and the board. Must be because like, yeah, like, when I woke up and saw that the next day, I was like, Again, I, I, I was confusion on my part. I'm like, I don't understand. Yeah, no one was saying like, oh, like Tuchel out, like yeah. and all this stuff. It wasn't like you're under massive pressure. Like, yeah, and, and even I don't know. and even from like more like involved in the club, like pundits and people over there in the UK, like the guys that are involved with Chelsea that write for Chelsea, they're like, what the fuck? Like, because yeah. they didn't really see it coming, right? It wasn't something that was really discussed. Yes, it was an unfortunate start to the season. It wasn't the, you know a five and zero start that we hoped for, or kind of like what they did last season. You know, it was a three-horse race last year up until a certain point. Um, Chelsea was, like, you know, off the gate really, really well. But, again, it's just impatience, maybe. Um, yeah. Frustration, I guess. And it would really suck if, like, if Todd Bully comes in there just, like, firing from the hip. Because, like, I don't think I want that in my ownership. I want someone yeah. who's patient, right? You can't just be like, okay, this guy didn't do good for 15 matches. He's gone, too. Yeah. You know I mean, like, yeah. fire two matches in the same season. Yeah, like who I knows? mean, Klopp's like obviously Klopp's having a really bad season right now, and I'm sure there's it's in no one at that board's mind. It's like, oh, you gotta get, gotta find a new manager because he's lost his touch. It's it's, it's like <laughs> that's not the discussion. Like there, they signed him, they gave him a new contract. They're probably gonna stick with him for at least until that contract's done. And I heard a city say, um, and I know, like it's just what they said but it's probably true considering how well cities run they're like honestly pep can stay as long as he wants oh yeah like where like um like i would even assume like if he had a really bad season and whatever didn't qualify for champions league one year i'd be surprised if they let him go um just because because even when the first year i don't know if you watched the all or nothing he he really struggled and the words out of the uh, the director's name, that guy, I forget his name. He's like Sheikh Mansour. Yeah, no, the um, like he's the owner, the, um, the director, the director, like the right. to hit, like I guess the connection between Sheikh Mansour oh, okay. and City, the middleman there. He's like, yeah, like it was a very difficult time for him, and like uh, uh, he learned a lot that year um, as a manager. Just like completely different mindsets, like probably, defended him. Yeah, probably completely different mindsets. What was going goes on at some other boards? So yeah, because they had like a plan. They knew what they were getting with Pep. Yeah, and they knew the plan. And you can't argue that they yeah. were wrong. Yeah, that's the kind of you really need like long term strategic thinking, which is probably what Arsenal is doing right now too. Mm-hmm. They're like Arteta came and they gave him a new contract even before he qualified for Champions League. Uh, even when they were having that terrible run of form at the start of the first year he was there. They're like, nope, this is the plan. And they stuck by him even when they're like, oh, everyone's like, oh, Arteta out. Um, which is why I kind of like Kroenke when, when he was like, uh, uh, yeah, you're going to hear all this noise, um, but we're going to stick by the plan. And, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's paid off, off now. now. Yeah, yeah, big time for sure it is. Yeah, with that said, 
uh, I think we can go to just talk on Arsenal here first. Um, sitting first right now. Um, 18 points, one ahead Man City. Uh, uh, like Andrew's comment about, is Arsenal the real deal this season? I mean, you, you see it all the time. Like someone's just hanging out at first, having a good run in their first like four games. But seven games in, they're still at the top. They have one loss, six wins. Um, loss was to Man U. Yeah, and you know. Side it's, note. It's uh, obviously a top club. Um, those are the games that Arsenal's obviously going to want to win um, going forward. But you know, they're this is just the season that's looking like what they can hope for. Um, I don't know. Like, I I do still see City as the favorites, but Arsenal's just putting in performances that are keeping them at the top and. I don't think, for me, it's a question on if they're going to win Champions League. I think it's a season where they're going to be competing for the title. Um, we're going to have to see how... Normally, I would say we're going to have to see how they manage through Christmas break, but that's not even going to happen this year. No. We're going to have to see how they manage um, when they start getting a big string of games. Um, but, I don't know. I think they're going to be able to handle it this year. They'll have Europa League like more you know, bigger games in Europa League. Yeah. They'll have the big break with the World Cup happening where basically their entire squad will probably be gone. So it's going to be the coming back from that might be tough mm-hmm. for a lot of teams, mm-hmm. not just Arsenal, but for a lot of big clubs, coming back off of the World Cup this year is going to be a test. Yeah. Because you could be on huge highs and lows depending on how the World Cup goes for your, your specific country. And then just coming back and being acclimated again with your teammates and... Who knows? Like, what if you have some bad blood? Remember Rooney and Ronaldo? Yeah, you know, oh, yeah in the, world, in the yeah. world Cup or European Cup, whatever it was, and they're they're bad blood. They had to come back to United together, and then Ronaldo left the next season, I think. Um, so we'll see how that obviously goes goes out. But yeah, Arsenal, man, they're a surprise team this year. This has been a hell of a job by them, and Arteta especially. Um, talk about controlling big personalities. His personality is pretty boisterous and big too, and loud. Yeah, you see that for the all for nothing um, documentary that was on last year. But I'm not going to get back to Chelsea. I'm just going to say one more point. I was looking at like Arsenal, Man City, and Liverpool, let's just say. In the last 10 seasons, they've had three managers. Chelsea has had 10 managers in the last 10 seasons. And Chelsea has arguably had more success than all, all those clubs. Arguably. Mm-hmm. Maybe not domestically, but like just like as a whole. Like a couple of Champions Leagues, a couple of Premier League titles. Uh, FA Cups, all these other big wins with 10 different managers at the helm in 10 seasons. Yeah. So I, ten, in 10 years. My, I think my argument to that would be like, I think with the well-oiled machine that City and Liverpool are now, um, I would see the next five or so years where Chelsea probably won't win too much. But I'm just saying, like, you, like, you look at Liverpool and they had Benitez for the longest time. Yeah. Then they get Brendan Rodgers, and then they get Klopp. Okay. Yeah. City had uh, Pellegrini, Mancini, and then now, now Pep. Yeah. Chelsea's had Mourinho, Conte, Benitez, Ancelotti, uh, Vilas Boas, uh, Lampard, Tuchel, all in like ten seasons. Yeah. And they've still been able to get like ways to win, but it's like we can't just have one guy. And just let them ride. Yeah. Which is what drives me nuts. 
Yeah. Like you and look I, at these guys who are getting they're getting success for you. They're winning trophies. They're doing what they can do for your club. Still turning out results, but it's not the result that you want. And it's like that's why that's why the management or ownership for Chelsea is driving me nuts because they just expect so much. Like they're becoming the new Arsenal. Like we're be, like you know you expect to be like winning all the time. Yeah. We give you FA Cup. We give you Super World Cup or D Cup, whatever the hell that is. But it's like it's still not good enough. Well, I don't know. You have to look past the manager sometimes then too. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, it's it's one of those things where. Like you said, hopefully it's not the the board there at Chelsea just firing from the hip, um, trying Seems to like get it. get quick results. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they can just get solidified with someone again. I thought Tuchel was that guy, and obviously now he's not going to be. But I mean, Grand Potter, he's not going to win you. He's not going to win you championships. No, he's not like, going to win the Premier League or Champions League. Well, maybe not this, not this season, but I can't see him being like. A, a rec like a force to reckon with like the next coming years. Like, yeah, it's kind of very, said, like, it's you, very tough. Like you can't look at the names of like okay, Arteta's climbing the ranks now. Like he's doing a hell of a job. But then you put like Arteta there with, with uh with Klopp and with Pep, maybe yeah. getting closer there. Graham Potter. Yeah. Where's Graham Potter in the mix? Yeah. It, it's funny because like in the Champions League final when Tuchel beat Pep, I was like, yeah, like you know it's Tuchel. Um, it's funny because it's the same team, but like. If Chelsea and City were to go like head to head in a massive game, like it just seems like it's Pep who's like a Goliath against Graham Potter mm-hmm. in like a big game. It's just it's like the tactics. Yeah, it's just like, like the like, way different. and like this is I would want to see like what what it's like going under like a top manager, like because you know, we look at the all or nothing documentary, we keep bringing that up, but like Watch it if you haven't watched it yet. Oh, yeah, watch it. Because the way the players talk is like, yeah, like with Arteta, like he makes me see the game like differently than I ever thought was like possible. So it'd be like super interesting to see like what are these guys, like what do managers at this level, especially with Arteta, I think he's an outlier because like, yeah, he's new. But when you spend like five seasons at City under Pep Guardiola, like... And play at a really high level. Yeah, and he's was one For of as like, long as he best did. midfielders, like... Totally different, like ball game, than just Grand Potter showing up. Yeah, like. very tough. Um, so it'd be interesting to see like how tactical they are because I heard like Pep, like obviously you can see in the documentary, like Pep's like a maniac <laughs> with how in depth he goes. Mm-hmm. So it's, it'd be very, it's very tough, especially now with Cl- like especially like Klopp and like we said Pep and Arteta. Is Grand Potter like that tactical where he can like manage like manage a massive Champions League game against Real Madrid? Um, and figure that out. It's gonna He's be like never had a management very role tough. in Europa League. He's never had it in Champions League. Obviously, I don't know if he's ever been in a final before. Yeah, I mean, and it's gonna be tough. Like if he, if you're looking, like, oh, we want someone that's gonna like get us fourth. You know, pro like maybe he's like gonna be solid for that. But like, if you're looking to win trophies, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very tough. And like Santos said, like you brought in Tuchel, who's like has experience winning big trophies. Mm-hmm. He was probably like your best bet to continue that. So I think it would probably would have been a better move to like try and figure out how to make that relationship work if it was like a relationship thing than, uh, you know, rolling the dice with Grand Potter. I know the names of like Zidane and Simeone and Pochettino were even being tossed around and they settled on Grand Potter. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm really not trying to like throw shade at Graham Potter. I don't know much about him like personally. Like I don't know. I mean, I know he's a Brighton manager, and obviously we just touched on earlier. Like he's had a lot of experience, but having experience as a manager and as a player manager is one thing. But having experience winning, yeah, is very very different. Yeah, and even like we said with with Arteta, Arteta hasn't really won shit as a manager, but he was there with Arsenal. Yeah, you know he was in finals with Arsenal. He's won FA Cups. I don't know if he was there when they won Champions League or uh, the Premier League last. I'm not sure, but he's probably won a Europa League one or tw- like once or twice. You know, um, he's right. he's traveled. He's been through Europe in in those in those tough matches in, you know, in Spain in Portugal in going to you know Croatia and having a gritty match against Zagreb. Like he's been there before. Grand yeah. Potter. Yeah, Grand Potter. Like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like. It's just very different atmosphere being at the helm of a club that's just happy to be there, and then as a, and then being at a club as big as Chelsea. I love how you said it's like, oh, not to go back. To, this is not me going back to Chelsea. I know, I back on Chelsea. I didn't mean to do it like honestly. I didn't mean to do it like that. I just wanted to say before we jumped across to like the other clubs, I just wanted to put that out there with like Chelsea not having just confidence and reliability in their managers when yeah. when they're still being able to turn results. Opposed to clubs who had only three managers in the last ten years who get less results, right? Like if you look as a whole, like over the over the last decade, if you look as a whole, Chelsea has probably won at least twenty trophies or something, or fifteen trophies in like all competitions. Liverpool could have had like seven, mm-hmm. you know. Man City obviously probably had a lot. Arsenal probably had like maybe five. Let's just say I, I have no idea. I'm throwing throwing out random numbers, but I just know Chelsea's won a lot. But it's like a two year stay then you leave yeah yeah like it's, it's wild um to go across though to, to man city a little bit more this holland guy's a problem <laughs> i know i love the text you sent just holland is a problem he is um, um unless unless it's, unless it's you guys and big man city guys you love him but for anybody else he's a fucking problem he's good yeah, he's good. Man, he's like <laughs> understatement of the year. I mean, there's even like Barstool Sports is like retweeting Holland goals now because it's just like it, yeah. it's just it's it's breaking news. It's like must see TV. You know, it's you got you got Aaron Judge for the Yankees hitting his like 60th home run of the year, and then you got like Holland scoring his Crife goal against uh you know against Dortmund, Dortmund in, in, yeah. in their Champions League match. It's like th- those are their back to back posts for Barstool Sports, which is like getting EPL coverage now apparently. Um. He's really good, and I'll let you guys kind of run away with it a little bit more because I know you guys are really on his on his jock about this stuff. But uh, <laughs> he's just he's scoring literally every way possible. Yep. And I saw I'll let you guys go on, but I saw like a really cool tactic thing I'll talk about later that I saw um, being broken down during one of the pro- uh, broadcasts. But yeah, man, he's he's really fucking good. Yeah, he's like really good. the it's so f- the goal he scored against Wolves. It, it wasn't even like the nicest goal, but it was so good in the sense that he's just going to score on like any half chance he gets. Like he gets the ball, collects it, runs at the guy, kind of like makes him jockey one way, shoots it, doesn't even connect one, it still goes in. He turned him side, like around. Yeah, yeah. he did turn him around, yeah. like, give him opening. But like his shot wasn't that great, but he just he just scores. Like he, he it's one of those things where he, he it feels like he doesn't have to work obviously he's working really hard for every goal, but it just seems like if he gets any sniff of goal, he's going to find a way to put it in the back of the net, which is the opposite of what 
you know, cities had a lot in the past and like teams struggle with is like they have to have so many chances and they have to have like a really good chance to be able to score where he's just like, you know, give him a little sniff at something and he's going to like find a way to make something happen. Like even with the Dortmund gold, you know, like awesome assist by Cancelo outside of the boot, outside the box, just curls right to him. But that ball, 90% of the time, is going past a striker out, like, across, out for a goal kick, maybe just going across the box. But Holland here just decides to jump up, like, with his foot, hits it on the outside of his left foot, going across the goalie and in. Like, just disgusting. Yeah. Like, those goals don't normally go in, but he's just, he knows where to be, and he just creates chances for himself, knowing that he's eventually going to score one if he takes enough of them. Um, the fact that he's just 22 is like really scary. Um, he's like the hottest commodity right now in football and he's still in his early twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we said it last year. I thought that was city's best chance at winning the champions league. Um, the year they lost to Chelsea. But again, I think this year with the added dynamic of Holland and him just scoring like he is, I would be pretty surprised if they don't win this year because it seems like no team is really being able to handle them, especially with the come from behind wins they're getting. They're playing bad and they're finding ways to win, which City struggled with for forever. They're just finding ways to win when they play bad, which is like a really serious thing if you're opposing City. Scary. That they can claw back. Scary. Because you just never feel safe. Um, it's, It's crazy. I mean... I don't know how to say it. I've never seen someone perform like this, a new striker come in the EPL. He's like breaking every record, you know, breaks the record for scoring goal in his first four Premier League away matches. Um, 11 goals in seven matches. Wild. Yeah. I think he has one of the most dangerous. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to call it. Talents, but like his instinct, his repertoire. Yeah, in his repertoire, his instinct for finding goals is like probably one of the best I've seen. Like you always say, like oh, strikers are always in the right spot at the right time. And Santo alluded to it that he and like we talked about the other day, most strikers you'll find like oh, they have to have like three, four, five chances in a game to put it in. He just needs like one, like his first chance. If he's like in a decent, like it's gonna go in. Yeah. If he has any kind of chance, um, and yeah. I mean, I don't think a lot of people are saying it now just because, like, after 11 goals, you can't really harp on it. But, like, a lot of his goals are in the six. But that just comes with the instinct. He's just, like, half a second. Like, with the – what was the goal that we were talking about? The De Bruyne goal where he whipped it across. Was that against Wolves? Uh, No. no. I forget who it was against. I think it was Nottingham Forest, I want to say. Yeah, but you just see, like, who was it? Foden when he, like, back heels it to De Bruyne. Mm, and he's yeah. going to cross it. You look and you see Holland, and he moved like way before any defenders even knew what was going on. And just that instinct and being like that second earlier than everyone else to like foresee what's happening in the play. That's why he's getting in such these good areas with where most strikers would have like been like again, it's just a second, but like that's what it takes, and that's why he's so good. He's just. Yeah. One, he's literally one step ahead of everyone else, and his steps are like really, really big. So it makes a big difference. Yeah. But I think <laughs> that was their. Paced. I think that was their Champions League game, their first Champions League game. Yeah, I want to say. Yeah, Maybe, Sevilla. I don't know, but yeah, that was that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. He must be Pep's like dream because like obviously Pep, like we said, he's a master tactician. But 
it seems like Haaland is just always one or two steps ahead of where the play's developing. So yeah. he's, like Joe said, like he sees the play happening before it happens, so he knows how to get to that spot. Yeah. I mean, and he's his he's a specimen, man. Like his size and his his strength and his speed mix that in with like his instinct and his goal scoring ability. Like he's a he's a world class player right now. Animal. And yeah. he's an animal. <laughs> and you know, you, like I said, you mix that in with like just being in the right place, right time. You get a couple lucky ones. You know, get one off the face, off the ass. I'm sure it'll happen for him too. But just yeah, just to be able to read the play and get that extra step on somebody, like you can't teach that. No, that's just yeah. like in his. It's in his DNA just to like look at that and say, okay, I gotta be in this spot now. Yeah. And like as a striker, like I said, as a striker, his size, he can just kind of also see a play going in the wing and just take a chance going into the six yard box or into, into the penalty spot area because he can just win any kind of head ball gaming his Dortmund. Clearly he can be acrobatic and like score in such different ways. And I think it might've been, it might've been Alan Shearer was actually on a, on a, on a broadcast where he was being an analyst and they're talking about Man City and they're showing clips from previous years. It might've been last year um, only or previous years before that, but they're showing clips of when De Bruyne gets the ball in the middle of the field and they rotate the camera and they show him looking upfield basically. And it's just no one there. It's yeah. a board, it's a board <laughs> receives the ball like at the center line, or if he's already kind of a few steps inside the opposing half, he receives the ball and you're on the pitch. There's no one ahead of him to play the ball to. Mm-hmm. And then they showed a couple clips this year. It's like the exact opposite. He gets the ball at the half spot or the half way line, turns up the field and Holland's already making a run. Like you already see him like on, on like the last man, like, you know, making a through ball run. Mm-hmm. And they showed like five, six, seven different scenarios just of this season where that's been available for De Bruyne. And look what's been happening. Yeah, just assist so galore. It's just that extra <laughs> dynamic that Man City never had the past, you know, five seasons with Pep basically um, up until like, you know, Aguero uh, left the side and retired. But having Haaland there is just like a godsend. And they... They took their time to get him. I mean, they took their time getting a, a pure striker. I'm glad they didn't bite on Harry Kane. I'm glad they didn't bite on Ronaldo when they maybe had a chance to yeah. last year. Yeah. Waiting for Haaland, making the opportune moment to get him now for such a good deal like they did. I mean, it's it's crazy. And, yeah, he had a, his success um, with with Dortmund, obviously. But being able to see him on like the biggest stage all the time every single weekend with Man City... And going to see him in Champions League, like throughout his career, throughout his, um, you know, his yeah, his career, it's going to be awesome to watch. Yeah, it's a joy to watch. It really is. Yeah, and that's saying like even with the whole like six yard thing, where it's like, oh, if it's so easy to score in the six, and yeah, okay, like everyone do it, right? Like it's you, like you said, you can't argue with like how often he's scoring. Um, you don't get lucky breaking all these records. No. There's obviously something he's doing that no other strikers are doing at this point. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited. Like you know, I I really enjoy watching him play um, week in week out. Uh, De Bruyne's just probably loving it because he's just he he can just put in balls in the box. Like he he can distribute probably better than anyone on the planet right now. And to have someone like Holland on the end. Like he's gonna he's gonna break all the assist records in no time, assuming all like keeps going well. Mm-hmm. Twenty two, twenty two yeah. years old. Yeah, Jesus Christ. 
nine years older than this guy. Gross. <laughs> like, where's where's he gonna be in his prime when he's like twenty seven? If this keeps going, and yeah, I mean, knock on wood, obviously injuries and everything kind of sucks that he's not gonna be in the World Cup this year. Um, yeah, he could I, he could play for England, I think, if he wanted to. Uh, well, I don't think Maybe he can not now now because he always but he could have had a chance to play for England. Yeah, I mean, I think he's born in England. I think. Yeah, he was born. I think. W- Either in Leeds or really close Leeds. I know he knows uh, Calvin Phillips like okay. pretty well. Oh, that's why they signed Calvin Phillips. <laughs> Not because like, he, they need like, him. come. We got to sign my best friend. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Guys, he even played yet. Uh, um, yeah, he has played a little bit. He's, he's got some well, injury things. Eighth minute. But on. I mean, okay, it's. I mean, that signing too. Like Calvin Phillips, like he's pretty solid. But yeah, he probably torch, went there. Just torch Leeds, though. Like, yeah. I mean, looking at it, and he's pretty young, so. They do need a backup CDM, you know, and you're not, but they do. Like, if anything happens to Rodri, um, they do need someone. Yeah, Fernandino's not there anymore. Yeah, right? Fernandino's True. not there. So, you do need it's like it's probably clear to him. It's like, yeah, I can go to City, play like, and that's the thing. If you go to City, at least you know, with Pep, like, Calvin Phillips is really gonna improve. That's the one thing with Pep that's going true. there. Like, other clubs, you know. You know, even like Man U, Chelsea, probably in particular, like players would go there and like you look at Pulisic. He's been riding the bench. He for sure hasn't improved, but like you look at Foden. I I always go back to Foden. What Pep did with Foden is like the best example of like how good of a coach he is, just in terms of actually like developing players and like managing him. Because like Foden was getting like no game time for like three, four, five years, but he probably was in his ear all the time. It's like stay here. You're gonna get your time just like keep learning under me keep learning under these guys you're gonna be like a world-class player now he's in the starting lineup and like super key so it's easy for maybe someone like calvin phillips to go in and be like yeah i can go to city not play but like pep's obviously a really good coach and i'm like even if i ride the bench i'm pretty confident i'm gonna like really improve as a player yeah so that's probably good decision by him even though he's like not playing too often i still like being able to play under pep's probably a really good decision yeah good point on foden he's been there uh, signed as a youth in 2009, and he's made his senior debut in 2017, and he never played any, never had like a loan spell anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just like kind of rode rode the Man City train up until he made his um um uh, what's it called like first team first team start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's had 104 appearances now in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. At 22 years old. Yeah, and it was even like what like three years ago where it was like he's always oh, coming off the bench in like the 80th minute. Yeah, and he's like, oh, a really good players, but then you know the next year he's like, oh, he's starting some games, and now it's like he's on the starting lineup almost every single game for big matches. So I still well, think he stinks. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's that good. I don't know. He's he's pretty good. He's would, a little bit selfish. Callan yeah. could have thirteen goals right now if it wasn't for Foden. <laughs> I think I would take him over Dracula's though. What's going on with Dracula? I know he just scored against Wolves. Yeah, I. What's, I what's going on there? I think I've heard people talk about this um, and it, it does make sense to me, um, but it also makes sense with what I think Pep brought him for. Um, when he was on Villa, um, a lot of his play was collecting the ball around the middle of the field. In the middle, yeah. Um, running at defenders, drawing fouls and taking them on one-on-one. So it was like, you know, collecting the ball and running at people. With City, uh, you know, he's on the wing. Um, gets the ball and they slowly move up the field. They play a lot of possession games. So now he's collecting the ball and like passing it off, collecting the ball and passing it off. 
Um, he gets a few chances to run at defenders, which he does okay for City. But it's it's a completely different system from what City's expecting than with Villa, where in one sense, he's not taking as much risk as to run at defenders and losing the ball because City really want to keep the ball. Um, but again, that's what City needs. He's just like a piece of the puzzle where Villa, it was like up to him to get his team out the field. Um, and that's all he had to do. So I think just being at Villa, he had more opportunities to stand out and get goals for them. Where, like Pep said, he's not judging Grealish on his assists or his goals, but where he fits in the club. Because when when he is on, he does run at defenders and he gets down that wing pretty well and he does keep possession. Um, and he does release the ball, I think, pretty well, which, you know, a lot of, especially outside of uh, City where they don't get pounded for uh uh just dribbling at players where he's not really selfish and losing possession a lot. Um I do think he does need to take a little more risks at with running at defenders and taking chances. Uh and I think he's just like playing really conservative at this point and just taking his chances when they come, but he's not getting a whole lot of chances. Uh so yeah, I think maybe he just has to take a few more risks, but then again if he's coming in the side and City's still winning games, like everyone's contributing to them winning games. So he's, I think that people just need to manage his expectations of what he was brought to City for. Um, but then again, there has to be onus on him to actually perform and like do something and take some risks, especially when they're ahead. Yeah. It is I, just, oh, go ahead, Joe. No, I was just going to say, I think, because if he was bought for like 40 million, no one would probably care. You know what I mean? But it's just the fact that he's bought for like a hundred million. Yeah, like and that's the thing. Tag. You know, yeah, it's the just, price tag the not price fall, tag right? is way like really weighing on him. Yeah. Uh he did score on the weekend, which was, you know, a good goal to take, but And drew a red card. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <He's just> got... <laughs> I saw that. I was like Whoa. He just got yeah. cleats to the stomach and the defender was trying to plead his case too he's like you literally karate chopped him in the chest <laughs> yeah he, he lifted up his shirt all you see is just a massive red like bruise on his like kidney yeah, yeah. terrifying for um, anyone that didn't see it uh ball came in bounced high Grealish went to go play defender like jumped in the air and literally like karate like kick studs yeah. right to the the kidney on Grealish straight red can't really argue. He yeah. tried. Collins, Collins. He tried. He tried to argue. <laughs> yeah. Good Irish um, boy. <laughs> but, you know, if you go, and I go back to, you know, something similar to Foden, but you look at Riyad Mahrez when he first got City, and Mahrez really struggled. I don't know if you guys remember, but yeah. he yep. really, yep. really struggled remember when he got when he there. skied the PK over Liverpool. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there was that. He really wasn't scoring. He was, like, scrounging for goals. Good and pull, then... Sandy, good pull. Yeah. You know, two, three to second, third year there. <laughs> I mean, I think last year he was like their top goal scorer now. Yeah. So it just goes to, I think Pep's really, really, really good at getting the best out of signings. Um, I I would say the only ones that, the only one I know that hasn't worked out for Pep was Danilo. And, you know, with, I mean, he did, Jesus did like really well. I think he just struggled to, solidify the number nine spot with Aguero and you know what have you but most of the time Pep knows how to get gets the best out of someone so we'll see what happens this season um 
and even next year, uh, I'm assuming he's still going to be there, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if like Grealish just like turns it on and he's like a solid like 12, 15 goals a, a season person for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to kind of touch on what Joe was saying, he made a good point too with the Grealish uh, price tag. I was just going to say when you are, when you're the when you're the guy, when you're the man for a certain club and then you leave, that's yeah. obviously tough. Like when you're the man, like he was, the, you know, the captain for Aston Villa. Mm-hmm. When Mara's left Leicester, he was him and Vardy were like the dynamic duo. Like yeah. Vardy stayed, Mara's left. He's a bit younger, um, you know, was probably more sought after than Vardy was maybe at the time, but he left and then had a poor season. Um, so I think it's just like that coming down factor too, because like you go from being like I said, the man at Villa, the man at Leicester, and now you're getting mixed into a group of guys that are like all world class, and then you can't really find your place in the side. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be difficult. Yeah, like we said, like I, like Grealish going to Man City was like, I'm like, uh, there's already five guys that play his role on that team. Yeah, so I'm like, where are you gonna go? It's like, and he's not yeah. gonna kick, you know, Bernardo Silva out of out of position. Yeah. Mares was, you know, obviously a difficult one, but Sterling was there last year when he showed up. Still, Foden obviously still kicking around. Like it was a tough room to like walk into, I think. And then like Joe just made the kicker his hundred million dollar price tag. Like you're carrying a lot of baggage with you, right? Yeah. To perform and to you know expect they have huge expectations. And again, it just alludes to Pep being not just a tactician, but yeah, like he said too, like a player manager, mm-hmm. to be able to tell him to like be patient, wait your turn. Because like, who wants to hear that? Yeah. Like I said, you go from being you know like the biggest name on your team to being a huge signing. You know, put your name in lights on the marquee, and then you're barely playing. Yeah. Or you're barely finding your form and you're being told to be patient. It's like, I paid my dues. I, I was patient and I was the best player on my team. Now I come here and I don't get any like any PT. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Pep just kind of knows how to play, how to deal with big personalities and egos. And um, there's a reason why he's the best manager in the world. Yeah. Eh, one of the best managers in the world. I th- I mean, one in terms of, of tactics and like player management, he's like, he's right up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I can't honest. I can't hate on him too much. I can't be like not true to like you know mm-hmm. to the game. Like he's obviously like really really good, but yeah. My mom said I look like Ryan PV. What's that? My mom just sent me a text. Do you know who Ryan PV is? Uh, she didn't say. Does it look like me? You do not look like him. Yeah. What? If you look you... like that guy and you say that you Which don't guy, look see. like. Um... What's what's that journalist name that was on Joe Rogan? Oh, um, oh that guy. Uh, Isn't it Andrew too? No, you do not look like this guy. What? My, this guy? I think my mom sent me a text saying my aunt thinks I look like him. I don't even know if I've said this. Uh, no. Oh, uh, what's what's his name? Yeah, I know. Um, um, Tim Pool. Tim Pool. Don't like shout Tim out to Tim Pool if Tim Pool ever listens to this podcast. Or there's you some, and like, Andrew SEO look the same. That I don't like Tim Pool. Andrew Iorio yes, looks like Tim Pool. They I like more like Ryan Peavy. No, no chance. <laughs> Anyone? Everyone, go look it up. Tim Pool. Uh, he's a journalist. I think he's independent now. Um, used to work for some big journalism companies. Watched this guy on Joe Rogan, and immediately I just saw Andrew. With yeah, I was on. like, oh, that's Andrew. Yeah, Andrew's on Joe Rogan. I was like. Is that I'll Andrew? go. I'll go on Joe Rogan. There's certain, like, obviously you could look at different angles of, like, <laughs> look at, like, this is you. That's you. That's you. That one picture, maybe. You, that looks like, like every picture of I him. I think he's looks like slightly you. Asian. 
He is. He is yeah, like, he's like happy. And Asian. I think, he, and he said he got COVID really bad because maybe there's some like um, uh, thing, but he did get COVID really bad. Um, That's my joke clicked on too. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, everyone. We're looking at pictures of Tim Pool. This looks like. Uh, like this looks. For the record, I don't look like this guy. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so everyone, uh, if you can look up Tim Pool and say whether you think Andrew looks like Tim Pool, just so he put his mind at rest, because uh, he does. Jesus Christ. Um, Tottenham Hotspur. Only other unbeaten side in EPL. That was a smooth transition. People might think that we cut that, but that was just like that was smooth. just natural transition. Yeah, that was not <laughs> cutting whatsoever. I'm done this Tim Pool conversation. Yeah. Um, Tottenham. I mean, hell of a game from Son. Obviously, his biggest game of the season. His, his basically his breakout game of the season. Yeah. Uh, shut up, Joe. No, I'm just looking at more pictures of Tim. Yeah, I know. He's bold. <laughs> this is a bad picture. This doesn't look like you. You look like cue ball. Oh, jeez. Um, tough. It's tough to come back from that. Um, yeah, Son just like yeah, crushed take it. Away, <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, it was... It was funny because I went on Facebook and I saw a highlight of him scoring against Leicester uh, last season, I think it was. Just like a banger from outside the box, left foot, top corner. Um, and then this game just comes and gets a hat trick with, you know, his his first two goals outside the box. Just Beauties, bangers man. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, third goal, you know, kind of a break. Still a tough finish, uh, puts it in. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he kind of kind of broke out a little bit with this game and the point i wanted to touch on uh i don't know if it was right before the game but obviously with the struggles he's had this season um people started asking Conte questions about son and he said that no one's undroppable obviously indicating that you know if he needs to drop son and not be part of the team uh because he's not performing then he's willing to do that which is fair i mean you're you obviously have to give the players you know who perform time but if no one's if they're not performing you know at some point you got to try and find what's going to work but I just love it when players are under pressure and they just go and perform and just kind of stick it to the critics. Uh, and he did exactly that. I mean, basically saying like, hey, like if you don't perform, like you could find yourself where you're not playing as much. And then he goes against Hattrick. Which and that's the way totally to manage love. a player. That's the way yeah. to manage a player. Yeah. Like, I, I, Antonio Conte is obviously a fiery guy. We know that. But you don't say yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he would go and like berate Son in the locker room or something. No, you know it would be a conversation behind closed doors. He's smarter than that. He's a leader on the team. Him and Kane obviously are are the two longest. Oh, and Lloris are they probably the two longest standing guys on the team. Um, he's like the most valuable, obviously too, and, and just you know crucial. And he had a shitty start to the year. No goals in six matches. And yeah, Conte put him on the bench. Made a statement, right? He he kind of did the same thing with Kane. Too. Well, he didn't do the same thing with Kane. He kind of rode Kane into the ground um, last season when he wasn't performing well. And then Kane had like a little resurgence midway through the year and helped Tottenham actually clinch Champions League towards the end of the season. But in Son's case, being a producer like he is and being so heavily like relied upon to generate goals, to score goals, for him having such a poor start to the year, Conte made, like I said, a statement. And yeah, Son touched on it. He Came back and showed him up. Proved the critics wrong. Critics, critics wrong. Scored three goals in 13 minutes. Uh, behind a 6-2 victory over over Leicester. And if Tottenham has been... If Tottenham's in second place right now, tied for second place, with five wins and two draws, and Son hasn't scored a goal yet all year, watch out. 
Yeah. Because if he gets cooking, because like Kane's obviously mm-hmm. been doing his part this year. I think he's second or third in the in the league with with the goals. But I mean, Son's right there now <laughs> scoring three himself. But if Son can you know get going too and start producing more, because he's he's creating chances too. He's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like he hasn't done anything. He's just right. not getting on the score sheet like he used to. But if you can get behind him now and start generating more offense, what like watch out for Tottenham. I mean, yeah. they're not out of this game either. They're only one point back from Arsenal, tie with Man City on record and by, on end on points. Uh, you know, plus eleven goal differential. So they're there. They're scoring goals. They're only conceding seven goals on the year so far. They're top, you know, five in that category. They've had a great start to the season so far. Yeah. And like I said, if if he can heat up as as well, they they can you know make a good push into the into you know into the break for for the World Cup, and then we'll see what happens in the new year with with Donham too. Yep. Like I said, the only undefeated side with City, five wins, two draws. Uh, yeah, they're up there, and they're another team. I wouldn't have thought they'd be up there for the title race. We'll see if they can continue this run. But, you know, I don't think any of us predicted uh, Arsenal, City, Tottenham run at the top. Arsenal, City, Tottenham, Brighton at the top. Brighton. <laughs> top four. Yeah, Brighton, here we go. <laughs> and well, Graham Potter takes a job for a team. He leaves. Places below. He leaves. Yeah. Uh, but no, the, it's super exciting. Um, I I still always say I want to go in my lifetime and see a team go unbeaten, but like a real unbeaten run. You know, Arsenal is the Invincibles, but they finished with, I think, like the eighth most points in the EPL. Like the, the one se- season City had where they had like one loss and two draws and all the rest were wins. They had way more points than Arsenal did in their unbeaten season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to see a team go unbeaten, but like a serious unbeaten. Like three ties. Yeah. Like not a lot of ties uh, and just go. So we'll see. Um, I don't know if Tottenham is going to be that that team over City. Uh, but I... Probably not. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's like a massive long shot. Yeah, but we've seen long shots before. You know, we've seen Lester win the EPL. So <laughs> the segue. Whoa, <laughs> this guy. Speaking of Lester. Speaking of Lester. Completely unintentional, but yeah, let's talk about Lester. What do you want to say? Uh, they're happening? not going to win the EPL this year. <laughs> <laughs> um, I yeah, like like I just said, if 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 Tua gets fired after the season that he's had, uh, the start of the season that he's had, and Brandon Rodgers is still here at this point. There is definitely something wrong with 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 the Premier League this year, but I I touched I said here that their next match is October third for Leicester. They play against uh, Nottingham Forest, who was one spot ahead of them in the table. Um, if they don't get a positive result that game, he's got to be sacked. It has to be. Or I think that he it's possible that he even gets sacked before that. Yet you, you have yeah to, you know at least two more weeks before your next match. Just bite the bullet now. The guys 0-6-1, zero wins, six losses, one draw. And they're not playing good. Like, they're not even, like, they're not. In the games that they should be in, they're not even in. Yeah. You know? And then the, in the game, like, like what a. I know it's never good to fire a manager. It sucks for, for all parties. But if you're, if you have zero wins, five losses, and a draw, and you're not playing well. And then you go to Tottenham and get shit on six two. Yeah, you should be fired the next game. Like that's like the next. That's like the perfect time to like. Okay, we need to mix it up. Yeah, you know, we know this postponement's happening for the for the season so far. But there's only time off more. 
they're not playing until October third. Just let him go. <laughs> like I mean, it's it's tough because he's actually like a really good manager, which is why this is really strange. But if I go back and look what Everton did with Rafa Benitez, where they kept him way too long, he lost exactly. like five games in a row, which that was strange too, because they made a lot of big signings. They had like on paper, they had really good players and Rafa Benitez is obviously a really good coach, but it was just not clicking, not not working, but they stuck by him and they lost all those games and they were just sliding down the table and then they find themselves in a relegation battle. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Lester. Um, It would it would be a good time to like probably change things up. Cause like you probably will beat Nottingham forest. Hopefully if you're Lester, but is that really going to be the, the telltale that you turn things around? Probably not. I don't know who, who do they play after that? Um, they play, uh, man United October 9th. Yeah. And it's just, oh, I hit, no, Lester. Oh, Lester. Oh, Lester sorry. Lester. I was thinking... Yeah. Uh, I was looking at and Nottingham Forest, sorry. and you played Bournemouth. Bournemouth, Crystal Palace. Like These next four games are the games you have to win. Um, I mean, if you like... Because then you go past this, what, they play Wolves, and then they go below that. Then you got City. Everton's probably going to be a scrap. You got West Ham. Newcastle. Like, you got a way tougher schedule after that. So if it's an issue where the manager lost the dressing room, because like you look at Leicester's side and they do have talent, um, especially with like Vardy and Madison, uh, you really you got, got Tillmans too, yeah, Harvey Barnes, Harvey Barnes. No matter who you like, especially with these, like, because now like with Leicester, what they were fifth, I think I heard pundits say they were fifth two years ago. Last year they were in eighth. Like all it takes for a club like this to be in a relegation scrap is like losing your first seven games. I forget. I think. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, McManaman. That guy said there. If you, if you win your first four out of five games or something like that, you have like an eighty-five percent chance of staying in the Premier League. And then, as opposed to like if you lose them, like <laughs> you have like a much greater chance of getting relegated. Mm-hmm. So Leicester really, really should ma- start making changes as soon as possible. Um, yeah. The only defense I can think of is that they're literally one win away from clawing their way out, or like a win and a draw away from being out of relegation. So it's not, it's not all, all forgotten kind of thing, but it's just you already dug a pretty deep hole. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna be tough to turn it around. Like, it, I don't know. Well, it's tough. What I would like, especially if I'm Lester. Um, which you look at the bottom, like the bottom they of the have, table, and so I'm super surprised. Like they have you, 22 goals against. Yeah, I mean, but you look like West Ham, Wolves, Crystal Palace. Like these are like solid teams right now, <laughs> just in the bottom five. You know, Nottingham Forest, no disrespect to them, they just got promoted. But like Crystal Palace, Wolves, West Ham, and Leicester, they're all like pretty close to the top ten last year. West Ham was like one game away from Europa League last year. Yeah. Wolves have been consistently top ten for the longest time. Palace the same thing. Yeah, yeah. So you know you'd have to expect like if you're Leicester, you're not banking on like oh I'm going to overtake like West Ham and Wolves in the long run. Like they're they're going to turn around. So you got to think like if Villa Southampton keep winning games with their like they're doing decent uh, based on their expectations so far this season. 
you don't want to be the club that's the, that's the one not winning. Obviously, obvious to say, but especially this, even if it's this early. Why, why is this by Joe? <laughs> you don't, don't want to be the club losing games. You don't want to be the club that's not winning. Obviously. Love but for the, <laughs> I love I'm it. I was thinking of the the F one, the yeah, first one to cross the finish line. It's gonna yeah. Like, what's Will what's Buxton? his face? Yeah, that Will guy. Buxton. Yeah, the first one uh across the finish line. Will win is gonna race. win the race. I I honestly love him as a as a yeah, reporter a and pundit for F one. Yeah. Love him, but it's just funny because that's something we would say. Whoever loses the most games is probably gonna get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Ah, uh, maybe I don't know. If you had the most losses. Are you gonna get relegated? Maybe not. If you if you don't um so if you don't win any games, you finish with like you would have to finish with like eight, all ties. Yeah. No, if if you what lose it, like the most if you lose the most games, you'd have to win a lot more. Like have oh. no ties. Oh right, but I was just saying what Andrew if you said. Fin- if you don't if you win like, anything, yeah. if you win zero games, you have to tie almost all your games to stay up. If you, like, yeah, you have, you have to go, yeah, like, you have to go like, like no, three times. You have to tie all your games. You have to go games. no wins in like nineteen win, uh, nineteen draws, and nineteen losses, and you like get like nineteen points. Yeah, you, yeah, that'd like get you relegated. You have to, you have to get like at least, uh, I think thirty, thirty. Uh, the the math is forty two, for sure to stay up. Oh, Jesus. Last year, uh, thirty five got you relegated. I think or who, thirty Everton got thirty eight last year. So yeah, Squeak you have to tie all your games. So yeah, probably so you definitely want to win at least one, <laughs> <laughs> which, they still, which they still haven't done yet. Uh, Everton actually just got their first win this season, and they're in thirteenth. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, and Everton's having a, a okay run. I mean, they are not. They have losing. five goals for <laughs> six goals against in seven games. One yeah. win, four ties, two losses. Like what a weird scoreline or like stat line for them. Yeah, four. How, yeah, look at this. Four draws, like, um, yeah. I mean, it's they're they're sitting sixteenth. Um, their their battle to get out of relegation last season uh, was really hype. Uh, but that's really not where Everton want to be. Um, yeah, they they really need to evaluate what's what's going on and make sure that they don't start like they need to just start getting wins like they're like those those draws they could come back and, and really hurt them uh but they i think they the fans just want some security and getting some performances in oh yeah because they're not a relegation team no no it's just, and I think they're they're gonna get really tired of just hovering in this area year after year, especially with being such an established team. Yeah. Um, the other miscellaneous newsworthy thing is that Diego Costa is back in the Premier League, boys. Yeah. Public Super enemy, exciting. Public enemy number one. <laughs> back in the back in yeah. the fold, of course, going to Wolves. You know, Portuguese connection, uh, Brazilian Portuguese connection with Diego Costa. Um, going to Wolves. Yeah. See how that pans out. He could have played against Man City, but he, I guess he wasn't match fit yet. Yeah. Um, for their loss that they just took place, but he'll have another chance October third against West Ham. Um, to make his debut for the club. When uh, any expectations for Diego Costa? I think yeah, I think it's a great signing by Wolves. I mean, he's the type of striker where he's gonna just 
really make life difficult for defense. I mean, he's such a big guy, um, and he's really physical, which I really like. Uh, and he just causes problems, and he makes life difficult. Where you know, if you don't have as much technical ability, especially in your uh, later years, um, that's I think what Wolves will want, especially with their issues in uh, scoring goals this season. I think having a person like Diego Costa that's going to be in the box and has the experience he has. I think is really going to help them. I would have loved to see him play against City. I mean, just to see what how different it would have been with how intense he would have been on the defense. Because especially him, with his personality, he would have showed up against City and been like, "All right, I'm gonna yeah work way harder than he's ever has to just go There's, against the champions." Yeah, because he has nothing to lose in his first game back, uh, mm-hmm. especially yeah. with them being at Molyneux. That's definitely a red card game for him. Yeah, <laughs> that's got there's card not in like the 80th minute. That's there's not a lot of number nines like him. Like no, no. you know Holland's big. Like uh, Holland's Holland. There's not a lot of number nine because you do see. Like I go back to Crystal Palace where the defender was like the uh, the guy getting on Nunez's nerves and got Nunez a red card. Like mm-hmm. Diego Costa is like the opposite. Like he's a striker that's gonna like <laughs> piss you off. Piss off the center backs. Um, yeah, there's not a lot like that in the EPL right now, to be honest. Um, no, he's a different breed of player. Yeah. yeah, he has maybe lots of touch in the last few seasons. And departing Chelsea uh, at the end of the 2017 season, he left the club with 52 goals in the Premier League in 89 appearances. Great. But then heading back to Atletico Madrid, only 12 goals in 61 appearances in La Liga. Um, and then a little spell with Atletico Mineiro. I don't know if that's in Spain too. Uh, oh, that's in uh, Brazil. Um, that's where he's coming from. Uh, to go to Wolves, so yeah, and he's thirty-three. Yeah, thirty-three again. Maybe lost his step, maybe lost a touch a little bit, but he he can still probably score. I mean, I would, yeah. I would assume that his ability is still there. And even like like we just said, just to get under people's skins too. Like yeah, like I don't know how many red cards he drew from the from the opposition, how many penalties he drew from the opposition at his time at Chelsea, and his style of play. Like, I think it kind of fits the gritty EPL. Yeah, like I don't think he's, oh, yeah. he's not a, you know he's not a real big finesse guy. He's yeah. not going to be there for the tiki taka, you know, kind of goals. He's going to get in there, get dirty, and he's going to scrap. And that's kind of how he's kind of you know made his way. That's the path that he's made, um, to the point that he was at was the apex of his career with Chelsea. Yeah, it was like he was he was awesome. I fucking loved him. Yeah, um, I think he butt heads with with Antonio Conte too many times though, and he got he got kicked out of there. But, um. I loved him there at the club. And when, we haven't we haven't had a real striker since then. <laughs> yeah, when do they? Uh, I was gonna I was gonna ask when they play Chelsea, but like when do they play Tottenham? Because that's I think gonna be more interesting when he goes up against Conte. Because well, that was point. rough. Good point. Like I don't know. I don't obviously just hear rumors, but I guess Conte let him go via text. Like, hey, you're done. Ouch. <laughs> um, that's what I heard. Oh, it's deep. What a way deep. to just yeah, just get text him. March fourth. Did Wolves already play? Did I miss one? Did Wolves and Tottenham already play? Like, uh, they're oh yeah, they played August twentieth. Oh, yeah. That's why August twentieth, Tottenham won yeah, one nil. March. Okay. Uh, when's he back at the bridge? Yeah, I mean, the, honestly, the Chelsea fans probably like love him. I'd be surprised. Like, he's like, I want to stay, and Conte's like, no, you're out. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, there you go. October eighth. At the bridge. October 8th, back at the bridge. Yeah, That'd be fun. Hope, a little homecoming. I'm assuming he'll be ready for that game. I would hope so. Yeah. He'll have some time off now with a break. I don't yeah. even know if he's in Spain's squad anymore either. 
Oh, yeah, probably tough. not. I don't I, think so. I don't. I doubt it. Yeah. yeah. Spain kind of had like a little weird rebuild too for a while. Yeah. Like they had some down, down uh, competitions. Yeah, they were unreal, and then they had to rebuild. Yeah, big time. He's thirty three now, like you said. So probably not. But I mean, it'll be. He will get the biggest applause back at Chelsea. Yeah. We, lo- we loved him. Like yeah. not like. He, he's the one guy you want on your team but don't want to play ever again. So you know yeah, I, mean? I was like, just about to say that. Because yeah, well, like, he like it, he made it clear. He's like, I he didn't want to leave. And Conte's like, we're going in a different direction. They went and got Murata. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that I the, forgot. That is this. That honestly, it's a strange. Like you have Costa, who's like an. I don't know if he just butt heads with Conte, but he was like an animal for you guys, and he didn't want to leave. <laughs> then you just go in this direction, go get Murata. And that was like rough. Yeah. Thoughts. We've had we've killed careers, man. We've killed careers at Chelsea. We really have. Like you're still looking for your number nine too. We had Shevchenko. We had Fernando Torres. We had Diego Costa. We had Samuel Eto. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had Marata. We had Iguain. We had Lukaku twice. Werner. <laughs> <laughs> Timo doesn't even count, Joe. And then we get the corpse of Aubameyang coming in for 10 mil. Like, oh, why? Yeah. Why this team? There's man? a very, very solid revolving door at Chelsea for both managers and number nines. Well, because at like this whole Just thing. Figure, with- figure one of them out and yeah. maybe you'll get some success. One. Give me one. And that's why I was so shocked. Cause, like, what, would they- you rather, so what would you rather take? A really, really good manager or a really, really good number nine? Would you take Haaland or would you take Pep? Pep. Pep. You guys are idiots. For sure. <laughs> what's what's well, Haaland going to do Pep at Chelsea? Still had, <laughs> Pep still had success that Chelsea would want without a striker. Yeah. Right? Like, at the end like, of the day, you just want results. Like, you stick Haaland at Chelsea, he's not going to get that many goals probably because it's just the, ser- the vision and service is not there. And I don't think they have the ball around the other team's 18 enough, often enough, um, or creates going to create space. Um,. But yeah, I mean, there's this whole issue with uh, Drogba, where after he left, I guess like the number nine shirts been yeah. cursed. We haven't had a, we haven't had Saul in number nine since Drogba scored in the Champions League final against Bayern Munich. Until, the, but that's what I thought with Costa coming in, he was like, like he was sorry. Solid. Yeah, and then we had, no, Diego Costa was the best guy we've had. Yeah, since, <laughs> since Drogba, hundred percent. He left in 2017, and it's the last five years we've been without. Yeah, a, a number nine. And that's why I was so shocked. I was like, oh, like, he's just solid guy. Exactly what Chelsea need. And then it's like, nope. Done. I would have bought, I think there was a little rumor, little rumor of him coming back like at one point. Yeah, I don't know I think who I, it was with. That. It might have been with like Mito Sari. I don't know. But there was a, there was, a t- I remember those rumblings of him coming back, me, because he wasn't really getting the time, the playing time at Athletical like he thought he was going to, or his production wasn't as good. But we got Iwain instead or something. I don't know. This seems funny, man. I like, oh, yeah. I, don't know. I always KJ is where I got this from. No one slides forty kilometers an hour into a ditch after uh, a good spell like Chelsea. <laughs> Kinda, it's not bad. Chelsea's the one team where they're like everything's going great, Champions League final, and then it's like you're like oh, so quick, just like dumpster fire. <laughs> it reminds me of a certain team we were talking about for the pod, just like Italy. Just like Italy. Italy. Chelsea is Italy. Basically. 
Italy when, is Chelsea. When when Euros don't qualify, just when Champions League finish fourth, fire your coach. But oh, well, we 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 stick with Mancini. <laughs> we, we stick we stick with the coach, and you stick with Pep. Okay, yeah. I think we're good here. I think we're good. Um, like we touched on, no games, no games, no games. Uh, in the near future, unless you want to watch international friendlies, I think I I think I saw Germany's playing. England and Spain's playing Portugal. Those are some like kind of marquee ones yeah. to look out for if you guys really care. But you're probably here for the EPL content if you're listening. So upcoming matches like we touched on, not until October the 1st. Arsenal Tottenham North London Derby. What a way to come back. Um, Huge game. Really, really big game. And then we've got Liverpool and Brighton. You know, <laughs> Brighton fourth place right now still. So they're... They're fighting against lowly Liverpool and, you know, whatever place they're in. What place is Liverpool in? Eighth. So uh, the big, you know, underdog Liverpool, I guess. <laughs> Going into that match against Brighton. Um, Fulham and Newcastle. Newcastle having a good, good resurgence. Fulham, too. Mitrovic, hell of a player right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just doing what he does best and just score goals. Yep. Southampton, Everton, you know, mid- mid-table battle. Everton pick up their first W of the season against West Ham last match, so... Let's see if Lampard can get them rolling a little bit more. Chelsea and Palace, of course, they're playing Palace. Like the fuck, <laughs> Palace away. Palace away. I mean, that's going to be a three nothing loss for Chelsea. Uh, Bournemouth and Brentford. Nothing to say about that one. Battle of the Bees. <laughs> West Ham and Wolves. See if Diego Costa can get a nice resurgence game uh, against West Ham. Man City, Man United. There we go. The big Manchester Derby. Um, that's coming to you on Sunday the second. Followed by Leeds and Aston Villa and Leicester and Nottingham. Let's see what happens in that game. See if uh, Brendan Rodgers has a has a job come Monday morning. Oh, sorry, that is Monday. Come Tuesday morning. See if Brendan Rodgers is in or out of a job at Leicester. Yeah, I mean, bottom of the table challenge. Uh, gonna have to figure out what I'm gonna do for the Manchester Derby because I'm gonna be in Chicago. But uh, definitely, if you're gonna watch anything, definitely. Watch Arsenal Tottenham and the Manchester Derby. Early game for yeah. Tottenham Arsenal. Um, watch a replay if you gotta sleep in. Uh but yeah, very big games happening. Gonna really uh, round out the top of the table. First against third, second against fifth. Huge Fourth derbies. against eighth. Brighton versus man versus <laughs> Yeah, Brighton Liverpool. against Liverpool. Yeah. But yeah, two derbies. Uh it's gonna be an exciting weekend, DPL. It's big time. You good? I'm still trying to figure out what we're going to do with the Manchester Derby because like, we're in Chicago. Just, I'll call you guys. Yeah, don't look at anything till Monday. Just watch the replay on Monday. I'll live, I'll live commentate for you guys if you want. There you go. Yeah? Cool. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, as always, you guys get us on Instagram and get us on Twitter. Um, I've had some good interaction on Twitter recently with some fans, so keep it up. Uh, we always like the feedback. Um, leave comments on YouTube. Um, anywhere else you guys want to reach us at like I said Instagram, Twitter at footy underscore fans fans spelled P-H-A-N-S think we're good boys? we're good good alright as always I want to thank everyone for listening and we'll be tuning in next week after all Luke's action see you everyone bye ciao